you are tuned to CFCR 90.5 FM. It's time for the nerdy news and it's punch radio with Brennan and Dave and Jody. And we will hear from Craig and Hank a little later. Uh, Apparently Hank is not super pleased with the new Harry Potter show. You will hear about that and much more a little later on. The Helen Mirren hosted game show? Yes. Yeah. Mm, Yeah. Mm. Um, We're going to talk about Power of the Dog, the new Jane Campion movie. And we're also going to talk about some comics today. So first off, Dave and I want to talk about Power of the Dog. This is the, uh, it's on Netflix. It's just come out. It's cleaning up on the awards circuit. And it's a Western of sorts. It's basically um, the story of two brothers who run a ranch in Montana. And they're both pretty lonely guys. And one decides to do something about it. And he uh, befriends a widow and her son and they hitch up and they come to live at the ranch. And uh, yeah, Phil, the one brother who's a little rough and rowdy, he don't like that too much. And uh, he really kind of makes it his mission to bully the wife, the new wife. Uh, So these roles are, star studded so phil is uh, benedict cumberbatch benedict cumberbatch kirsten dunst is the new wife uh jesse plemons is george phil's brother mm-hmm. and cody snit mcphee cody snit mcphee yeah he plays peter who is uh learning to be a doctor so he's at school most of the time but in the summer has come to the ranch and he is mocked by the other cowboys because he's, you know. He's a tender soul. He's a he's a gentle little guy with a good mind and a hard background. And he kind of steals this movie from Benedict Cumberbatch. He absolutely does. I don't know that I agree with you that he is a tender soul at all. I think he's quite the opposite, but he's brilliant and he's good at manipulating people. And uh, eventually he gets his way. So this is based on the novel by Thomas Savage. And it is a complex little character study. Yeah, the, 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 the widow and the lonely brother thing sort of makes it sound like this is going to be a romance movie. Really at the core is like this tense relationship between these two brothers. One who wants to kind of keep living the hard scrabble life that they've always lived and one who's got his eyes on other things. But that turns into a love triangle that turns into kind of a love trapezoid. And it does all this without being really mushy or romantic. We might be talking about a different kind of love in Power of the Dog. I believe that's true. And I don't want to give away too much because I think that's something that's really special about this movie is... um, is those relationships and how they, they change and adapt and, and morph into something else. But what's fascinating is um, there's the ghost, I'll say, of Bronco Henry. So Bronco Henry is sort of this figure they talk about quite a bit. Benedict Cumberbatch's character, Phil, is obsessed with Bronco Henry. This is the cowboy who taught Phil and George how to be a cowboy. Everything they know about running their ranch they learned from Bronco. They learned how to rope. They learned how to ride. They learned how to you know, treat cattle, move cattle. They all. learned how to live. They learned how to live. And so he's always present, even though he's been long dead. And Phil is 
fascinated with him and he keeps his spirit alive. I think George would be just quite happy to let him go, but he doesn't. Yeah. He, he keeps his spirit alive. And Bronco Henry was, sounds like a remarkable human being. Yeah, he's, he's idealized in the mind of, of Phil, one of our main characters, the, 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 the more hard scrabble brother of the two. And yeah, really, that's what the first two acts of this movie are, is just this simmering tension that just gets thicker and thicker and thicker between these two brothers as, you know, they they reckon with their pasts together and kind of make some different decisions about like what that past is going to mean for them. Yeah. I, I, the reason why I want to dwell on, on Bronco a little bit is because that's a different kind of love, right? Like the love that you have for your mentor or your idol or the, the person who you, you feel kind of helped form you and yeah. that there's nobody else on earth like that. That's a special kind of love. And the only way to satisfy it when you get older is to try to be that mentor to someone else, which is really ultimately what Power of the Dog is kind of about. Kind of? <laughs> kind of. I mean, the relationship that Phil has with Peter, the son, I think at first is just to really irritate the mother because she hates him so much and it, it's scared of him and doesn't want him spending any time with her kid and so the more time he does spend the more she is irritated and that pleases him well and Kirsten Dunst does such an amazing job of carrying the weight of all of those little chess moves because we're quite often just relying on like a long distance shot of her reaction to something and she really helps you feel how in this family you know, there, there are certain things that she just does not want to see happen. No. Um, Gotta mention a score by Johnny Greenwood as well. Oh, which, yeah. The yeah. music in this film is it, beautiful. It really, it carries it. I've said this before about other films where it almost feels like the score is a character that helps move the plot along. It's lovely. Yeah, he's he's making a real mark for himself as like, you know, he's one of the few guys who can offer this service to a movie and make you want to go see it for that reason and that reason alone. This is going to be kind of a sister movie uh, with There Will Be Blood, I think. Like I agree. A, a couple decades from now, that's what, that's what will make people like... I don't know it, that would be a pretty crazy movie night but you could watch those two movies together and do like a Johnny Greenwood dark slow burn movie night yeah it, it would be intense but yeah there's definitely moments I thought when I was watching it that Phil is a lot like Daniel Plainview and they're there and the beautiful cinematography in both movies beautiful um just how the land looks and how stark and beautiful it is and how much of an effect that has on the plot and on the characters themselves and the power of the dog i think I this think is a must see it is there there are still some 2021 features that we haven't seen that may prove to be contenders but yeah th this, th this is a high contender it is it is one of the best things i definitely saw this year and uh yeah i would like i don't without giving it away though i would like to uh just put in a plug for the power of the dog i think like the name of the movie and what it represents in the film is like, can you see it? Can you see it? And if you can see it, that is a powerful thing. So I'll leave it there. Based on the trailer, I wouldn't have expected any of that. When I first saw the trailer, I'm like, oh, that looks kind of cool. Oh, good cast. Okay. Period piece, Western, whatever. And then I completely didn't think about it again. So 
after this review, I guess I should dive in because apparently there's way more going on than, than I would have guessed. It's lovely. It, it's a great, great movie. And it's on Netflix. So it's like right at your fingertips. It's very accessible to everyone. So highly recommend checking this out. Okay, we're going to take a little break. We're going to let uh, Hank have his tirade about Harry Potter, amongst other things. And uh, Craig will be along for the ride and suffering from a little bit of a cold, I'm afraid. But he'll be fine. And then we're going to talk about a whole schwack of comics. So stay tuned. Hey everybody, Craig Silifant here for Punch Radio on CFCR 90.5 FM, and I'm here with my good buddy Hank Cruz. As you might be able to tell by my voice, I'm a little uh, under the weather, but uh, you know, we're not in the same room, Hank and I, so I'm not infecting him with my little germies. Uh, but that has given me some time to watch a bit of TV this week as I'm uh, lying on the couch uh, dying uh, internally and externally, so uh, we're going to talk about a few things. First of all, uh, how's it going, Hank? And what do you got today? Well, for all of you out there in radio and podcast land, Craig uh, appears to be uh, under the weather, but just looking at him, you couldn't tell. You're still looking great. I feel like I got a really red nose, but that's about it. Fantastic. It looks like you just came in from outside because it's minus 90. Right. And a look of confusion. You know, uh, you heard of that Harry Potter? I think I've heard of that. Yeah, it's like a boy wizard or something. And it's like, there's like people that you can't talk about, like a Voldemort and things. Uh, on the scale of like one to 10, where would you be on your knowledge of Harry Potter? Uh, I would say maybe like a six or seven. Like I've read a few of the books with my kids and I've seen all the movies, but I mean, I don't know the like, na- I probably couldn't even name some of the characters. Like, I mean, oh, I can name all of them. In that case, you would be a fantastic contestant on Harry Potter hogwarts tournament of houses on hbo max and crave tv here in canada so it started last week so there's two episodes out now it's super fans of harry potter are tested using their knowledge of all things wizarding to compete for the coveted house cup includes a few special guest appearances by actors from uh, the harry potter movies and hosted by a very bored and out of sorts helen mirren uh, so it's billed as being the ultimate Harry Potter trivia tournament. And after watching the first episode, uh, that's a lie. Um, the set that they've created is amazing. Uh, the show itself is super lame. Like Jeopardy, it is not. Uh, the questions are so easy and just, I don't like using the word dumb, but the some of the, they're just dumb. Like, why would you even ask the question? The contestants are supposed to be super fans. Well, out of the, I guess, six that were on the first episode there, uh, maybe three of them you could say were super fans. The other ones are like, have you even read one of the books? Um, I I don't understand why this is on and why Helen Mirren is on it and why they would waste our time with that. So what I'm telling everybody out there is, uh, should you watch it? No, no, you should not. If you're a fan of Harry Potter, just don't because it'll ruin Harry Potter for you. But am I going to keep watching it so I can tell everybody how bad it is? Yes. Yes, I will keep watching. So just don't. Like, it's like, I don't know what they're trying to do here. Um, the other thing about Harry Potter is, did you uh, see on the old uh, internets there that the original cast is old enough now to be the correct age from the play that she wrote afterwards, uh, The Cursed Child or The Cursed Child there? So now they're the same age. So now the internet is like, you need to make a movie with them in there because they're actually the right age. And then Chris Columbus, the original director, he's on board for that. He's like, oh, we should do this. And then I went, you know what? 
I think they owe it to us to do that. I'm now going to be one of those people that it's like, as an actor, as part of the series, you owe it to the fans. You need to do that. Um, so I, uh, I'm excited, and I think they owe it to us, especially to make up for the Tournament of Houses on HBO Max and Craving Canada. Piece of garbage. Yeah, I'd be interested to see whether they were even into that or not. I mean, I know, like, at least Radcliffe's gone on to have a career as opposed to sort of being stuck in that role. I'm not sure about... Uh... Uh, what's her name? Emma Watson. What's Watson. The... Yeah, she's been in a few cool things. Hermione. And then uh, uh, Ron's been in some stuff there too. Yeah, I guess he was on that uh, M. Night Shyamalan show yeah. about the nanny or whatever. Uh, yeah, it'd be interesting. But, he, uh, but, but they all owe it to us um, and we deserve it. So yeah, uh, not... they, they, they took the role in the first place. You know what that means. Yeah, Come no, on. Famous actors aren't real people. They're, They're not. entities for our entertainment and enjoyment. They are. What else you got? Um, speaking of that, uh, Pen15, uh, my, I guess one of my favorite shows of all time, uh, the second half of season two started airing and then somebody I know named Craig tried to ruin my life by <laughs> texting me to say, oh yeah, by the way, they're not doing another season. And then I read this text and I go, silly Craig, what do you know? And then I go on the internet and the stars of the show and the creators went, oh no, we're done. Like, yep, yeah, two, two and done where Hulu, uh, who was uh, paying for the show go, please, please keep going. And they're like, no. No, we're done. And this is another thing where I'm like, as a super fan, they owe it to me to make another season because it's all about me. Yeah, they went and they had babies and they have lives and stuff. And they're like, we can't commit. I'm like, no, no, no. Forget your children. It's all about entertaining me. Um, I have watched half of the second half of season two. It is just as good. It is amazing. I, in the end, it's probably going to be a 99 or a 100%. Um, if you haven't watched Pen15, you have to. But for those of you that don't know quickly, um, 30-something-year-old actresses playing um, kids in grade seven, but the rest of the cast are their own age. So they are actually acting with all these people that are the right age. Uh, and I can see that going forward, well, as the actors are, get older, it's going to be tough when you're 40s to still try to play a grade seven or grade eight. So it's, yeah, I can see them ending it, but it's the best show ever. Watch it. Oh my God. Did they drop all the episodes at once? They did. And I didn't, I didn't think they were doing that. They're all out there. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's too bad because I know Hulu wanted to make another uh, season, but yeah, like you said, Maya and uh, yeah. yeah. End on a high note. So yeah, for sure. So uh, I've seen a few things I can rip through here this week. Uh, Santa Inc. uh, On a, uh, it's on Crave in Canada anyway. So I actually thought this was a movie until I sat down to watch it, but it's not, it's like an eight episode uh, TV series from HBO max. Uh, it's definitely like Luke, my eight-year-old son wanted to watch it, uh, but it, it's like, no, definitely not. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's not for kids, uh, even though it looks like it. It's sort of in the style of that, like, maybe it looks a little more updated, but it's in that style of the like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer cartoon kind of, uh, you know, vibe or whatever. Uh, Seth Rogen stars as Santa Claus and Sarah Silverman as his second in command. And she's a female elf who wants to become the first uh, female Santa Claus, like as, as his successor or whatever. So I've only watched like three or four episodes so far, but it's, uh, it's pretty funny, you know, it's, and it's definitely that kind of risque humor sometimes, but uh, you know, if you like Seth Rogen, it's, it's sort of that kind of humor where sometimes it's really smart. Other times it's a little dumber you know, and you kind of get that, the dynamics of that kind of humor. So I, I know you've seen a couple episodes. What did yeah, you- I watched the first two and I, I laughed during both. So yeah, it's pretty funny. Nice. Uh, the other thing I've been watching, I'm sure you have too, is Hawkeye, the new Marvel series with uh, Jeremy Renner reprising his role and Haley, what's her name? Steinfeld? Steinfeld? 
Stein Johnson Fredrickson. She was in the remake of True Grit. Uh, I think she has like a pop career too. She's like a pop singer. Uh, But anyway, she plays uh, Kate Bishop. So what we've done here is taken that famous uh, uh, Hawkeye comic from a few years ago and then mashing it in with the MCU as we know it. So in the comic, like Hawkeye is kind of a bummy guy and he lives in New York and and, uh, you know, he's kind of gets all wrapped up in this plot with these tracksuit mafia guys, whereas we know that Hawkeye and the MCU, it, you know, is a family man, he's got this family and stuff, but they do a really good job of sort of mashing those two things together so that it makes sense. Uh, and then he's sort of in New York, while he's helping uh, this girl woman named Kate Bishop, like, sort of find her own as a superhero, really. And I mean, I guess he's sort of reluctant to do so, but, but that's what's happening um so far it's pretty fun it's it's good it's it's got a christmas vibe to it too so so it's uh apt for the season uh, i also want to quickly mention insecure uh the latest season i we're you know a few episodes into it now uh it's a great show from Issa ray about a black woman in la and her friends and her social circles and her, her romantic life uh i would say like it's a great show i would say the last couple of seasons have felt a little bit like they're spinning their wheels a bit so it's still fun to watch but the first few seasons felt so kind of unique and original and and i would say like they're not feeling like that anymore uh you know they're still fun to watch but not quite that good uh but so this is the final season of it right uh, i believe so yeah i think they i think that is the final season but uh, so yeah, that's what we're watching this week. And I think that's uh, about the time we have. So we got to throw back to Jody here, but uh, hopefully I'll be feeling better next week and uh, we can uh, talk some stuff. Sweet. Feel Cute. better, Craig. No, thank you. <laughs> All right. Thank you, fellas. So last week we said we were going to talk about Hawkeye because Brennan reviewed the TV show and uh, there's a brand new comic on number one, Hawkeye, Kate Bishop. So he said, Kate, we better read it and talk about it. So let's lead with that. Um, what did you think of Hawkeye, Kate Bishop? Uh, for an issue one, I quite liked it. Now, last week, I actually talked about the um, Clinton Burton, Kate Bishop, Hawkeye comic. And I said, oh, I should review the show for this week. But then the comic came out and I said, well, let's talk about comics because the show will be happening again next week. So uh, Hawkeye, Kate Bishop, number one, written by uh, Marik Nijkamp. I'm sorry if you hear that, I pronounced it wrong, and Enid Vallum. Um, and I think the descriptor at the front of the comic really sums it up well. Basically, Kate Bishop, private investigator, dog lover, former young and West Coast Avenger, best Hawkeye for all investigatory and or arrow related needs. Please reach out to Hawkeye, Kate Bishop. Um, the style of the book is fun. I like the fact it starts off like a superhero comic and then becomes much more of a detective story. And the fact that there actually is a case and she has to figure it out. We follow Kate Bishop. This would take place after the West Coast Avengers. And she decides she wants to go back to New York, but she doesn't want to go back right away. She wants to take, quote unquote, the long way home. And she receives an invitation to go to the Hamptons, to a very rich and posh place outside New York. And of course, she su- suspects it could be a trap. And of course, there is a case waiting for her. So um, I thought the first issue was fun. Uh, the art is good. It's clean. It's easy to see. There's nothing, you know, it's a good follow along. Um, I like how they really stuck with her character. And I feel like they did a, a good job representing who she was based on other comics. So if you're at all interested in Kate Bishop, I think this would be a good starting off point for you. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And I did like that it was more like a private eye kind of book. Sometimes like with the narrative, like overlapping action, 
it can get annoying and tired, but I think they did a really good job of just getting the right balance in this book of her kind of talking over, seeing what she's been up to and then what she's currently, you know, embroiled in. And uh, yeah, the style of art is good. Like you said, it's clean. Uh, it's, it is very easy to follow the action. And uh, yeah, I was, I was impressed with it. I, I'm definitely going to be uh, following this series. It's good. I'm no expert, but this does not look like the kind of traditional Marvel comics look. Um, it maybe has more of an image or indie feel to Kinda, it. Kind of, yeah, yeah. Definitely the cover. Yeah. Leans that way. Cover is very good. So, okay. So we both agree. Hawkeye, thumbs up. Good, good going. You also said you wanted to talk about Human Target. Number two came out. I also read this and I really, really enjoyed it. I am absolutely predisposed to loving the sort of spy slash, you know, private eye type uh, book. Um, and Human Target is, is a crime drama, no doubt, but it's got like this kind of quirkiness to it that makes it really fun. And uh, I love how he is, what direction he is taking to try to determine like who the culprit is in this, you know, mystery that he is trying to unfold and maybe save his life at the same time. Well, I like, I love detective stories. I like spy stories. And this one basically has the best of both worlds because it has this very sleek kind of like James Bond-esque kind of vibe to it, just with the, the kind of 60s inspired artwork, but yet very much a private detective story. So it has the trope where, oh, there's a mysterious woman in your office. You have to go talk to her. Only turns out to be ice from Justice League International, right? So I like how they take sort of like this private detective trope but when you suddenly have it be with two people that have lived the life of superheroes in this universe, how is that story different? And essentially, it's just the two of them talking for most of it and uh, learning why she's there. And they, we learn more about both characters. And it was, it was really interesting. I think the best way to summarize this particular issue, near the end, he says, yesterday I was dead. Today, I'm in trouble. <laughs> I love that. Like, it's a, that sounds like something from Mickey Splinny novel. You know what I mean? So um, yeah, if, if you read number one and liked it, you'll be happy with number two. If you didn't get number one, hopefully you can find one on the shelves somewhere if you're lucky, uh, but pick up one and two. They're, they're super fun. They're really good. And like I said, I, I like it when they take elements of a story that you've seen before that seem very familiar, but they twist them a little bit. And again, we have these two superheroes that are living this private detective story and uh, it's really good. So I would check it out. Yeah, I would too. I really am enjoying it a lot. Yeah, there are, there are some women you don't say no to. And uh, he definitely doesn't say no <laughs> much. Uh, great book. Yeah, really fun ride. And yeah, I know number one has sold out in a few places. So if you can't get it, you're going to have to wait for the trade, but it will be worth the wait. So I think this is really going places. All right, on that same theme, I just wanna quickly put in a plug for King of Spies. So this is the new book from Mark Millar. It is uh, art by Matteo Scalara and uh, it's, it's good. It is your spy guy, only this time, you know, he's, uh, well, I don't wanna give too much away on, on this. I like Mark Millar's style. He's, he's cryptic. He's a little bit silly sometimes definitely has a good sense of humor. Yeah, it moves around in time, which he likes to do. It jumps around a bit. 
and uh, so past and present. But it, I think in the first issue, it wraps up a lot and it is very visceral. There's lots of good explosions. The color palette is really interesting and it's another spy thriller out there. So if you're looking for that genre, this is another one that you should definitely put on your radar. Seems like kind of a more hard-boiled, visceral Pennyworth. Yeah, that's a good description, actually. And Pennyworth is also awesome. And uh, the new issue of that will come out next week. Can't wait. So good. We're, you know, halfway through the mini-series run. You read Girl Scouts. Girl Scouts. How was that? I super liked it. So this is Girl Scouts. Again, there's no I. It's right, Riot Girl kind of thing. Stone Ghost, number one, written, conceived, and illustrated by Jim Mayfood. Now, I bought the first Girl Scouts series, and it, it's just, it was crazy, it was zany, it was Girl Scouts and Magic Socks, and I was trying to remember what it was about, and I don't even really remember. I just remember really liking it. Um, so this is the same idea, but more sophisticated. So it has this they call it a psychedelic comic. To me, it's more like a punk rock aesthetic mix with psychedelia. We meet uh, a new character and uh, a bounty hunter, Turtleneck Jones, who's from the first one, and he helps this person out. We learn her backstory. Um, there's twists and turns. There's people being backstabbed right from the very beginning. Um, what I like with this one, he's taking more of daring chances with his artwork. So I liked Girl Scouts the first time, but it very much stuck to its, its aesthetic. This time, it's the same vibe, but there's different color palettes. There's a two-page spread that's on lined paper. Um, different scenes have a different look to them. Colors change dramatically. It'll go from black and white to red to suddenly like soft blues and golds to black and white, right? Um, if you want a really interesting read that's taking you places you're not really sure where to go, uh, check out Girl Scouts, because it was, it was really good. It was, it was more sophisticated than the last series, which I think is why I was, I was drawn to it more. All right, you're gonna keep reading it? I will. So we'll see how issue two is. Okay, awesome. Well, there's always good comics uh, on the horizon and hopefully we've uh, maybe given you some good suggestions. It's certainly within the uh, spy detective genre and uh, we'll have more suggestions now, next week. So you know where to find us. That wraps up another episode of Punch Radio here on CFCR 90.5 FM every Friday at 6 p.m. And until next time, keep your dukes up.